to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua and Salmo, here with my co-host, Mitchell Weatherall. Mitchell, welcome back. We've got a very interesting episode today about uh, how the Leafs rank in fantasy and uh, what players can contribute to your fantasy teams. A little bit of a different episode, but I think it's going to be fun. And, uh, you know, I've been looking forward to doing this episode. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's always just good to see the stars coming back and get back on the ice. And we all know the impact these players bring, especially the, the core three. So it's just exciting to see again, and I'm looking forward to it again. Yeah, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we know who the main guy is going to be for <laughs> most consensus ranking. So we'll start with those in a second. But, right. you know, fantasy sports is definitely something that's been growing. It's definitely something that, uh, you know, me and you have partaken in. Uh, over the last couple seasons it's fun you know playing with some friends and uh, some banter throughout this year and having your favorite players yeah it does get competitive and you know so uh, let's talk about fantasy today you know it's the summer it's the dog days of august there's no real information Uh, it feels like every morning i wake up and there's something about alex kerfoot and it's just getting really stale so we're gonna try and bring you guys something different here and hopefully you guys listening can enjoy uh, so Mitch, let's start off here with the obvious one, and that's Austin Matthews from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, number 34, of course, is ranked number two in Yahoo Fantasy Sports rankings uh, to start the season. Obviously, these boards are going to change as we get closer to the year, but tell me, are you surprised Austin Matthews is ahead of guys like Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr in the early rankings? Uh, it doesn't at all. I just think that 60-goal season just puts everything else aside compared to stats, and I do think he's going to at least break more goals this year. we got to all remember that he got 60 goals in 13 less games than originally played, so now you're going to add a full 82 to his season, and he's just poised to get more. I think he's going to get around 65 to 67 goals this year. I don't think he'll break 70, but I think he'll get get some 70 at some point in his career so that's definitely worthwhile looking around but there are a lot of up and, up and coming fantasy stars that you can easily stash like McCarr and McKinnon but I'd obviously put Matthews up there and I think you can it's just what he did last year was amazing and he's only getting better with it and it's just something I don't see we'll, I don't think we'll see out of any other player a lot besides him so I mean goals it's usually the most fantasy points in your league so it's one thing to keep an eye on having a good goal scoring team Yeah, you know, if I have the second pick in drafts, I'm certainly taking Matthews. You know, Austin Matthews is a guy that I've been fortunate enough to have in back-to-back seasons now in our fantasy leagues. And, you know, Austin Matthews, what he did last year, uh, it led me in first place in the regular season. Fortunately, uh, not a very good playoff. But, um, you know, Austin Matthews, like, for sure, if if you have the second pick, I would even wonder if you're picking number one if you consider Austin Matthews. And I know McDavid... Not yet. McDavid's McDavid, man. I don't know. No, McDavid is McDavid, and he's probably going to get you more points. But I think it certainly depends on your format. Like, in our league's goals are a little bit more than assists. Like, I feel like if you're in a a league where goals count the most, I would heavily consider Matthews at number one. Remember, Austin Matthews arguably was the best player in the league last regular season, right? So, you know, we all know McDavid is McDavid, and he certainly has probably the higher floor given his playmaking ability. 
uh, compared to Austin Matthews, more one-dimensional goal scoring as a threat, but definitely a guy that I think could challenge for the number one spot. We saw him with the number one rank for a large part of the season as well. So, you know, Austin Matthews was a sure good pick on my end last year. Um, but yeah, you know, I just think Matthews has just so much more to his game. One thing I'm excited to see this year though, is, you know, a lot of people talk about how he's just a goal scorer and, you know, he's a one way threat, but he's really not. He has an underrated playmaking ability, he plays with Mitch Marner and Michael Bunting, a very good line. Remember, he gets all the opportunities you can ever imagine from a, a top line center, right? He's on the top power play, plays with arguably the best right winger in the game right now. And he plays with a, a solid finisher in Michael Bunting. So, you know, I think Matthews, it's going to be real interesting to see. You know, a lot of teams are going to plan differently for him this year. You know, we all knew that he had heck of a shot and one like beautiful release. But how are teams going to be able to shut him down? Because he is clearly the main focal point of this Maple Leafs offense. And you got to think now here in the second year where, you know, you have praise from coaches like John Cooper saying, you know, he's going to score 70 at, at some point, most likely. You know, I'm wondering how teams are going to kind of mark him. You know, are they going to limit his shot, uh, shooting lane, sorry? Um, are they going to force him to be more of a passive player? I can see that happening. So for that, I don't know if I'm too comfortable saying he's going to hit 70 dead certain on that you are. I think he has a potential. Like I said, he's probably my favorite player in the game right now. I love Austin Matthews. And, uh, you know, if I have the second pick, even potentially number one, I think you got to slam it with Austin Matthews. But um, I got to ask you, like, are you a little bit nervous uh, with how teams are going to start to plan for this Maple Leafs attack next season? Kind of am because I notice a lot of his goals come in the high slot, specifically on the power play. So even if, like, it's it, that's easy to shut a guy down. Like, he's a, he's a shoot-first player, which I like, but that's easy to prevent like defensively I think teams need to adjust to that try to make him a fast per player uh, pass pass first player and just limit his time and space so if that can get done then that won't be an issue but I hate to say it like if if teams can like limit his chances in that high slot make him a pass first player then they'll easily shut him down but I still believe he'll reach 70 in his career and eventually yeah teams might figure him out but he's still unstoppable in that high slot he's a shoot first player which is good but Again, teams, I agree with you there, teams could switch their defensive play to make him, him making him a pass-first player. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's more so planning how to shut down Austin Matthews. I think Matthews is so good now that it's more at the point where how do you limit his damage against us? And I think there's only certain players in the game you can say that with. You know, obviously Nate McKinnon, Connor McDavid first come to mind. I'd even stretch it as far as Ovechkin and maybe Sidney Crosby still. They're still very high-end players. Um, but yeah, you know, Austin Matthews, I think he's a fantastic player and he's very reliable. Like I got to say with Austin Matthews having him in the last two seasons, there was barely times where he went negative because of how many times, even if he doesn't score and doesn't get a point that game, how many times he shoots the puck, how many blocks he gets. He's an underrated, um, you know, face-off guy. He wins a, a, a lot more amounts of face-offs than I think the consensus of NHL fans realize he's pretty good. And, um, you know, Another thing I got to say too with him is that line, uh, no matter who they play with, like remember when Andre Kasha was with them last year on the right wing, Matthew still performed at a very high level. So I get a lot of people are kind of nervous. Well, what if they take Marner off that wing or what if Marner gets hurt? They're, that's not a player to, you know, you have to worry about. Austin Matthews is Austin Matthews. You could put him with me and you and I guarantee he's still going to be fantasy yeah, relevant. No, yeah, he's, that's good though. Like he, he can, like you can play with anyone and that's what you want. He'll make others around. Take Marner off his line, I'm not worried about him. So he's still he's a shoot first player and never take that away from him. So 
All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the next one here now. You know, people listening to this, our listeners, they might not have uh, a top five pick or potentially a top three pick in their fantasy leagues this year. So, you know, maybe Austin Matthews is a little bit out of reach, but a guy that is going outside the first round, he's ranked at number 17 on Yahoo Fantasy Hockey, and that is right winger Mitch Marner. Are you surprised he's ranked 17? expect him within second round pick like i like i i know like a lot of i've seen guys in my past fantasy leagues pick him with the first pick they had i mean he's a good player he's a good playmaker but he has his cold streaks at times and i wouldn't i wouldn't rate him any lower than 17 to be honest because like he is playing with austin matthews arguably one of the best goal scorers in the league right now so i mean he's gonna get a ton of assists and like the only thing I the only thing I don't like about Marner is he doesn't shoot the puck enough. Like that like I I know he'll shoot it, but I don't know. But when you're playing with Austin Matthews, I just think he's you gotta be pass first and you're playing with a guy like that. Well, one thing with Marner I think I like I think we all saw last year is he got a lot more confident when he came back from injury and especially in terms of his release. He was scoring a lot of goals, a lot more than I think even the most diehard Lee fans were expecting. And, you know, he was closer to 100 points than ever. And I think Mitch Marner's capabilities and, you know, how much offensive skill he has, I certainly think he can hit 100 points this year if he can stay healthy and if he plays with Austin Matthews for the whole season. Now, Mitch Marner's a guy that can drive his own line. We know that. He's arguably the best right winger in the league. And in terms of, you know, both ways, uh, his defensive style is just as good as his offensive production. I think on natural stat, no, sorry, on uh, Jay Fresh Hockey, he's got like a 97% even strength offense to a 93% even strength defense. So very, very elite play from him on both sides of the rink. But, you know, one thing with Mitch Marner, I just wonder is, like you said, those streaks, right? Like there's times where it could get pretty dark. Remember to start the year last year, it was pretty dark, uh, you know, being a fantasy owner of Mitch Marner, right? He only had a couple points, no goals. And then, you know, even up until Christmas, he was kind of okay, but he didn't really give you that early round, you know, that first round, second round value at that time. It was once he came back from injury. Once he came back, he was just on another planet. He was arguably, you know, a top five player in fantasy, top three. He was scoring at a rapid pace up there with Austin Matthews. And even when Nate McKinnon came back too, you know, he was on fire. But Mitch Marner, I think he's an interesting pick at 17 because I think he can easily outperform that ADP. I think this might be the year where he can crack the top 10 as a fantasy player. Because we're, what we're seeing with Mitch is, you know, every year that he comes back from the offseason, it seems like he's, you know, getting stronger. He's getting more used to playing at, at the National Hockey League level. But I also think he's getting that confidence, right? And, you know, if he can just fire the puck a lot more, one thing he's been, like, one thing his whole career, he's been a little bit reluctant to shoot. I think, you know, now that he's starting to find that confidence in his shot, and he's talked about that a lot, especially last offseason, I'm excited to see Mitch Marner this year, and I certainly think he could provide you first-round value. So if I was picking in the second round, I wouldn't be afraid to take him you know, as high as maybe on that one-two turn. So I pick 11, 12. I would not be afraid to uh, take Mitch Marner there because I think his upside is high. And uh, I think this is a guy that when you're drafting him, you're not drafting him just at his uh, you know, highest peak. I think he's a guy that you know he has a pretty safe floor and you know, sky's the limit. Maybe he goes off this season for over 100 plus, right? I think he has that skill set to get over 100 points this season. He was so close last year. And if he can just stay healthy and just limit those streaks uh, with a Maple Leafs offense that looks a little deeper than last year, 
Uh, I think Matthew. I mean, I think Matthews and Marner. That combination is going to be one heck of a duo. And I would certainly take Mitch Marner early on in drafts. And I don't think you have to worry uh, leaving your draft that you took Mitch Marner potentially at number ten, even as high as round one. So. With that, let's go to the next leaf now. And this one's a little bit interesting. I don't think a lot of people who maybe this is their first year playing fantasy or haven't played yet, maybe listening to this episode might want want to get you into playing fantasy. But somebody ranked in the 50s ahead of William Nylander is John Tavares, number 91 center Toronto Maple Leafs. Mitch, does that surprise you John Tavares is ahead of Nylander and that he's at 52 ahead of some notable names? Kind of does, but at the same time, like, Let's look at his past past seasons, and didn't he get close to 50 goals that one year, if I wasn't mistaken? Yeah. Yeah, that was the first year at the Leafs, right? So, that doesn't... Uh, right now, it surprises me, but we all know... I know he's capable of more than that, and I know I think he's slowing down a bit, but I just... That first year he had with the Leafs, getting almost 50 goals, is just... That's, that's still looking at fantasy-wise, so I definitely, like, take a look at that, but I am... Based off how he's been playing, I am... And his past couple, like year, I, I just don't think that's reasonable right now. But I don't know. We know what he's capable of in that, that one season he had shows. So it's an interesting. I don't know if I'd take him ahead of Nylander, but I, I just think it's an interesting pick if you do. Well, yeah. Like the season you were talking about, he had 47 goals. Um, you know, to be ranked 52, I think that's a good ranking for Tavares. Because, yeah, he, you know, a lot of people hate on him. He's slow. They, they You know, they talk very negative. Tavares is a great player. One of my favorite players in the league still. And, you know, that 52 rank can go both ways, right? And that's something you basically just said. Like, he can either go off and have that, you know, almost 50-goal type season, which I don't think we're going to see. I think, no, you know, his ceiling is probably that, yeah. maybe 35, 40 goals now. But, you know, he. what if, like, William Nylander decides to go off this season? What if Mitch Marner goes back to his line? I think John Tavares certainly has upside still. And I would make a case that maybe he's getting drafted a little too late at 52. But also, you got to look. That 52 ranking, he can also give you about that fifth round, sixth round value where you know he should have been drafted in the 70s or perhaps the 80s. Yeah. It all depends on your league and formats and you know what points count differently. But John Tavares, I think, is a very, very good player. We know he's very good on face-off. So if you're in a face-off league, I would certainly take him in the top 50. Um it's just going to be, you know, how much offensive production can the Leafs get of him, out of him, out of him this year. Sorry, so I'm high on him. I think he's going to have a good season. And you know, if you're at that pick, late 40s, early 50s, I would not be shocked or scared to take John Tavares there in that area because I think there's upside and I think you know the downside's there. But John Tavares is not just going to fall off a cliff. He's he's a very good NHL player despite his age. And you know, you want to make the comments that he's slow. He knows the game better than most, and I'm sure even if he might not have the foot speed that he once had back in the day, I'm sure he knows and his awareness to get himself into scoring opportunities will still be there. So I'm confident in John Tavares, but you know, now let's go down just a couple picks here, and that is, you know, we already talked about William Nylander at 57 uh, on Yahoo. You know, this one's interesting to me because, you know, Nylander's a guy that's kind of slowly crawled up draft orders year to year. But he's never really found that season where he pushes himself in the top 30, which is a little weird because I think he has that skill set to do so. So tell me, now if you're at that pick where, let's say Tavares just got picked above you and you're picking at 53, are you taking Nylander? I would take him 
I would take him. I think that's reasonable, depending who is available or not. Like, I think he can go better than that. But if he's there, sitting there, then I would take him at fifty three. I just, I like he's clutch in my opinion. He like he he can put the puck in the back of the net, and my only thing like he can get streaky too, though. So you never know with him too. Like, and he he can get lazy, get in the defensive zone, stuff like that. But his offensive production's always been there, in my opinion. He's at least a thirty to forty goal scorer. Got good chemistry with Matthews, so I mean you can't go wrong with him at fifty three to be honest. But it all depends for me who's who's within that area to pick at fifty three. All right, right now there is Jason Robertson, Chris Kreider, Sam Reinhart, Mark Andre Fleury. Kreider, I don't I don't know what I think about him going. Do you think he repeats that season? No chance, no so chance. I'm staying away from that? Kreider. Yeah. Jason Robert Jason Robertson's a good player. He he's a good player. Yes. Oh, no, he's fantastic. I'm a huge J-Rob guy. You know, obviously, it's brother of Nick I, I Robertson. Cry, I, I'd more trust him than I would Kreider. Yeah, he so... He's actually consistent. Like, he doesn't go, like, way out, but he doesn't go, like, way high. Like, Kreider went way out this year. Yeah. I, are we going to see that way out of him this year? Nylander's, like, he's going to be a middle guy. He can either be way out or he can be way down. So. Yeah, that's but that's one thing, though. If I'm picking in the 50s, you know, that's that's a good area to, like, to find all, a boomer bus. Who else in the 50s? Uh, Jason Robertson's fantastic. I would take Nylander over Sam Reinhardt. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I would take him over Buchnevich, Moritz Sider. Um, now, I here's... Had a good season, but he's playing in Detroit. It's not problem. Here's an interesting, though. Would you take him over Patrick Laine for next year? Patrick Laine hey, playing see, with Goudreau. Okay, I said to you, though, I think is going to get back to his 50-goal season because he's going to be playing with Goudreau. But I don't know that. That's the thing. That's just my prediction, so... Because I just, I haven't seen him in 50 goals. Like, okay. I, I, I still think he's going to get to top. He's going to be back to his normal form. I really like that. Uh, like, everyone's saying about Goudreau. Like, oh, why do you sign there? Well, that's a, first of all, that's a great deal. And you put him with, like, you get, like, they signed him because they need to get Lonnie a playmaker back. So, I think, like, if you put him, I think he can get back. To, okay, I'd say 40 goals minimum. Not about 50. But you get, you put him with Goudreau, you get back to but I'm not taking him chance. That's just my prediction. I don't want to chance it. He's been really streaky. I like he hasn't been the same in my opinion. I had him in fantasy the one year. The year after he got the fifty goal season, he, he just like fell off. So and he he's been off since. He's been traded. But I do I could see him bouncing back this season. But I don't know if it's that risk I would take over picking a guy like Nylander, like the same thing. Like I'd rather it's it's a good be a good pick if he goes off you could draw it's amazing but it's not like I'm not a big risk taker when it comes to fantasy like I have a lot of takes and stuff but I just don't want to go I wouldn't go with it so but it's definitely something worthwhile to look at I think like in my opinion fifth round I'm taking Newlander Jason Robertson out of those players they're just safe picks yeah you know I I would take I would take Newlander as high as fifty because I think his upside we haven't seen the full peak of it yet he's at the contract. Well, that they just screwed him up with that. Yeah, so I I think Nylander certainly has the potential to be more than a point per game player. I think yeah. he's just that good of a player. I would even maybe argue that he's a top ten talent in the National Hockey League. Not a top ten player, but a top ten he's talent. Top 10 well, the, top fifteen, I think. Top fifteen. I would say he's a top ten talent. So in terms of you know if we everything, got yeah. yeah if everything came together you know there's been a lot of talk about questioning his 
um, you know, his character and his determination and stuff like that. But if that was all sorted out, I, I think with how talented William Nylander is, I think he's a top 10 skill player in terms of just skill base, like no defensive game, just skill base. Um, so yeah, I would, I would have no problem taking him in the fifties. Cause I think that area you're already going to have the core of your team. And I think Nylander could potentially just give you that upside of becoming one of those core players, yeah. but where, you know, like, okay, he's not going to be terrible where you have to cut him. He's going to be in that middle aspect where, you know, you, you're, you're line expecting. Eight, line eight, you never know. Well, line eight, line you know. Eight can be an easy cut yeah, line, line eight could, could bust hard. Player. I could see upside with him, but I'm not, I wouldn't take the risk on him compared to Nylander Jason Robinson taking a little risk. All right, interesting. So now if we go down here, the last leaf in the top 100, that is Morgan Riley going late 60s. I think it's 67 right now here on Yahoo. Would you take Morgan Riley in that 65 to 78 range? Who's, who's in within that range? Within that... I know, like, he's a good defenseman, but he doesn't shoot the puck enough. Within that range is Alec Pitarangelo, uh Nazem Kadri, and uh, Darnell Nurse. Uh, okay, if I had to... Okay, I'm going to rule Kadri out. Obviously, Cole Kadri, but if I'm picking a defenseman... I was not three tough choices. I don't know. I, I think... I, I think Petrangelo I have in he was, but the but thing, I, with, the thing with me, I think Vegas is gonna. Or off, I think they're gonna fall off the cliff. Really? Yeah, you're not high on them. I don't know. I think I gotta see because they got rid of Patrietti. It's uh, it's an interesting take. Nurse, uh, I mean, you know, he's he is playing like with the Blue Jays last night though. So no, I see. I, to I me, I think he could. You know what? I don't think if I had to pick between those, I wouldn't pick like I'd obviously take Kadri, but if I had to pick between I don't think you can go wrong. No, see, for me, I, I'm taking Morgan Riley over Darnell Nurse and Alex Petrangelo because Petrangelo, I find it's hard. For, he getting older too, it, he's getting older. He's getting older. But also, the one problem we haven't really talked about, you haven't mentioned yet, is the guy also in Vegas who wears number 27 in Shea Theodore is just as good offensively down there in Vegas. And, you know, there's always that talk about who's going to get PP1 down there. And, you know, I want my defenseman to have power play one time. And that's why I look at a guy like Alex Pedrangelo, who's going to be challenging for that spot still with Shea Theodore. Remember, they have a, they have a whole new coaching staff. Um, you know, Bruce Cassidy's there now. And, you know, his system likes to have one D on the power play. So maybe Pedrangelo, with his age now, drops to a second time, like a second pairing role. But also, his plus minus is a little bit of a question mark. Both Nurse and Riley are number one guys. So yeah, that's what I mean. So. To me, yeah. Yeah, but see, then the problem is we also saw last year with Darnell Nurse's young guys like Evan Bouchard started to make a push for that top power play. Remember, they still have Tyson Berry, who's supposed to be a power play guru, and they're paying him to be that, but he hasn't really been that last year. Although he wasn't the COVID year, very good. But I just think out of those three guys, you've got to slam Morgan Riley with that pick. Why? Because you know he is getting paid to be that power play one guy. They just signed him to that extension. They're going to give him all the opportunity you can imagine to play on that power play, which was very, very deadly last year. And I think it's only going to get better with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner getting a year under their belt of experience being those top-end guys. And now you're going to have Morgan Riley. If Morgan Riley could just be a little less reluctant to shoot and just fire the puck a lot more, I think this guy could be a top-30 fantasy player. I'm that high on Morgan Riley. 
I think, you know, he's very mobile. Yes, there's times with the plus minus categories. He doesn't really give you much in terms of hits and blocks, but just the, how hot that power play is of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We saw Tyson Berry the year before in the COVID year. He was 40 ranked, right? Now, yes, I know he's playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl, but that power play, if it could stay number one rank all season long, that defenseman that's running it is certainly going to have extreme value, no matter what. You can put any D in the league at that point. You know, even if, you know, knock on wood, Morgan Riley doesn't get injured. But if you wanted to throw, like, Rasmus Sandin on power play one, if they keep him, you know, he's going to have fantasy value as well. So I think Morgan Riley has the potential to be a top 30 player in fantasy formats if he just fires the puck a lot more. Because we haven't really seen that goal scoring attribute come from his game. We know he's a great passer. He loves to find seams. Very good first pass. But, you know, I would just like to see him shoot more because I think he's got some serious potential. But, you know, obviously he's been in the league for a long time now. We still haven't seen it. So I'm still a little content with where I'm taking him. But I would love to have Morgan Riley again. I had him last year. And last year that pair with him and Austin Matthews on the power play was amazing. And uh, it just sucks if the playoffs didn't work out differently for me. But, you know, now let's go down the chart here. Now, those were all the Leafs ranked in the top 100. Now, the only two Leafs ranked in, you know, the spots from 100 to 200 is Michael Bunting and Mark Giordano. So let's start with Bunting. Bunting's ranked at 119. What do you think about that? I, I do think that's reasonable to pick him there. I mean, he's, uh, he's again, he's going to be playing on top line. He's got a contract here, so it's his, it's his, pay, it's his payday this year. He's got to earn that. I think, I said to you in previous episodes, I think he's just getting better and better, and the Leafs got to pay him quicker and quicker. So I think that's a safe pick. I would take Bunting. He's definitely a fantasy sleeper for the Leafs, and you could say in the league in general. But he's he's it's his heyday's coming up, and he's playing with Austin Matthews and Marner. So you got to go with that. And Giordano, with regards to him, he's he's not signed to be a points guy. Like you shouldn't be drafting him for that. You got to be drafting him for the blocks and the plus minus and the shots. That's it. So one of those like last guy defensemen, maybe a bench defenseman even too, that like you can just take is just uh. Just like the guys that just get you that like stuff without the points, like he can get you that those five or six, like five or ten points just off shots and blocks, stuff like that. So he's not gonna do a crazy amount of points for you, but he'll do the job for you. And if you just take him as a bench defenseman, he can do it all. So he's past his nor his Norris days are done, his points days are done, but that's what the Leafs brought him in for. So just the blocks and the shots. Yeah, one th- well, I'll start off with bunting first. I think that one nineteen value there is a nice a nice grab yeah you know i certainly think this is a guy that can be you know potentially in the 60s and 70s in terms of fantasy value just because he's gonna be playing with austin matthews and mitch marner and we've seen players in fantasy before they might not be as good as a top 50 player in fan like in the nhl but in, they'll be top 50 in fantasy because of their line mates and their opportunity and you know michael bunting is not a guy that i'm going to expect to get power play one time But I think that 5v5 play, if he can stay with Matthews and Marner, being in a contract year, you know, we've seen players go absolutely crazy in their contract years. You know, we just spoke about Nazem Kadri. He's one of those guys that went off last year. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Bunting has a very nice season. Now, I'm not saying he's going to give you elite and fantasy value, but I'm sure this is a guy that can outperform his ADP at 119. But I do think there's risk where he could potentially... Um, be a droppable candidate if he does go on a cold stretch for a long time because we also saw that throughout this year. But a player that I'm definitely looking forward uh, to drafting if I could get him at the right cost because sometimes we know 
Um, when it comes to draft night, players can go way above their ADP. But if he's still there at 119 in that 115 range, I think I'm going to take a flyer on him because, you know, a left winger that late that could potentially have the, the upside as high as he does, I think that's rare. So, you know, playing with Matthews and Mitch Marner, you don't see top-end value like that, playing with top-end line mates that late in drafts usually. So I'd have no problem taking him. But I think he gets 60 or 80 points this year. Yeah, for sure. We saw what he did last year. I agree. Um, but going with Mark Giordano now, Mark Giordano is a sneaky candidate for my fifth, fourth defenseman spot because I told you, yeah, you know, he might not be able to. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. Like, I think a lot of people don't talk about is how Mark Giordano scored 12 points in the last 20 games since he came to the Maple Leafs after the trade deadline. You know, that is a good pace for a defenseman. Uh, you know what, for his age, I agree. That is, you know, he's aging. And, and like one thing about Giordano, too, that I'm looking at, like, in terms of picking my defenseman is Mark Giordano has gotten better as he's gotten older. Obviously, you know, last year it was not his normal season, but you know what I mean? Like, he had his best season in his mid-30s. You know, he's a guy that I still think has a lot left in the tank. I think he signed for an absolute bargain. I think he would have got way more pay from somebody else. But, you know, he decided to come here. He wanted to stay home. I think Mark Giordano is is like a quiet candidate because he's also going to get power play two time. It depends actually if they keep Sandine. I think he's going to rival him for that. I, if they, yeah, I don't think. No, he's. It's if they don't keep Sandine, yeah, it's it's a it's a chance. But I wouldn't rely on him be a power play guy. Oh no! But see, here's the thing. Like, what if the Leafs second unit wants to go with Sandine and Giordano? Because Giordano could still shoot. Like we saw him last year, two goals with the Leafs in those twenty games. He could still score. Um, you know, it's just going to come down to opportunity. I think right now. The Leafs trust him as their D3. I would go Morgan Riley as the number one, obviously. I think Sandine, if he stays, is number two in terms of offense. Uh, so I think Giordano can easily sneak in to be that third guy. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets power play two time. Like I just said, you know, maybe there's times where Sandine doesn't play every night. Like we saw a lot when uh, Giordano was acquired. Obviously, you know, Sandine. I'd put Giordano over Muzzin offensively right now. Uh, that might be a bit of a hot take. I'm not sure, but... Well, the thing with Jake Muzzin, too, is like Brody, Brody no chance. Def- Brody is defensively as it gets. I don't trust his offensive upside. But, you know, I, Sandine was injured, so I have to give him that. So we don't know. But like I said, right, like, you know, there's lots of injuries in hockey. Um, well, Sandine, if he stays, I gotta, they got to get him going on that power play. Yeah, but, you know, like, there's there's teams that love running 2D on their second units. Um, it depends. It's certainly going to be interesting, but... Yeah, but now you you look at that second power play unit. If you run two they, on the second, yeah, but they got to hold the But remember, last year's second power play unit had guys like Spezza, even Mikheyev at certain points. They don't have those guys this year, right? You're going to have Yarncroft on there for sure. Yarncroft's the guy that I think could be sneaky value. I think now we're going to go to sleepers now. Do you have any sleeper you're going to mention? Uh, or are you good? Like, well, I got one player. Okay, who? Uh, I don't know, Abe Kubel. Abe you know, Kubel. This little one-year depth signing coming off Stanley Cup championship. I just keep an eye on that because, like I said in previous episodes, the Leafs are missing that depth player, that one guy that can come up clutch, that one guy that will take a step moving forward. So I'll keep saying that. And I, when I saw this signing, like one year, just came off a cup run, I'd like to see what he can bring to the table. All right, interesting. My two sleepers here as we get to the end of this episode. 
And thank you guys for staying with us and listening to the full thing. If you are here, now is your reward. My two sleepers for the Leafs in fantasy this year. They are both potentially players that are going to sit on that second line. Um, and that is Callie Yarncroke and Nick Robertson. Now, quickly, very two different, like two very different players. Robertson, young. We haven't seen him flourish at the NHL level yet. We know the potential he has. We know the upside he carries. How much are we going to see of it next season? I think if he plays alongside John Tavares for an extended run as that top six left winger on that second line, I think you could see some very nice value out of him for a guy that's like not even getting drafted right now in most fantasy uh, mock drafts that I've done so far. So I think Nick Robertson is a very sneaky candidate to uh, be on my roster. I think you know you pick him in the last round of your fantasy drafts and you kind of just stash him as a bench player. Or if you you know you start to see him get hot, you grab him on waivers quickly. I think he has a ton of upside, and I think he could be kind of you know a very sneaky value. I, could, I think he could give you 150 to 100 top uh, fantasy value. So I think he's a very intriguing piece. But Callie Yarncroke, you know, he's a guy that you know we go back to the COVID season when he was with Nashville. He was a very good player. Uh, you know, there was even times in fantasy where I picked him up off waivers. Uh, he certainly has an offensive element to his game. The Leafs, I know they signed him a four-year contract, $2.1 million, but Evolving Wild, Mitch, I don't know if you followed them on Twitter. They're great. They do a bunch of hockey analytics and stuff like that. And, you know, they have a format. They do a lot of predictions and, you know, advanced stat stuff. And they said that they expected um, Callie Arncroft to sign a four times four according to their format. So the Leafs certainly got some good value here. Yes, it's got some turn, but Callie Arncroft, you know, if he plays with John Tavares on that right side – potentially fill that kosher role that you know when somebody gets hurt like a Mitch Marner where he can slide up to be on that top line I think Callie Arncro could have some serious value because we've already seen him have that value with the Nashville Predators we know it's in the tank last year remember he was with the Seattle Kraken who weren't very good offensively last season then he gets traded to the Calgary Flames which was a very good hockey team but they weren't really relied upon on their offense and he was kind of that 12th forward so you know he didn't really get those opportunities so I think him coming to Toronto now potentially with a top six role, depending on if they want to put Nylander back with Kerfoot, if Kerfoot stays. I think, you know, Cal Yarncroft and Nick Robertson are two guys that I'm really looking at with my last pick in most drafts because I think, you know, they're kind of flyer picks, but, you know, they certainly have the upside to give you some real steel value. And, you know, just talking about Leafs as their roster in terms of fantasy, I think those two guys are guys that I'm very intrigued upon. And I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out in the preseason, especially with the line combos. Uh, do you have anything else to add on this episode, Mitch? I think I'm good for now. I think we covered it all. All right. So thank you guys for listening to today's episode of the Battleborn Leafs podcast. We are your hosts, Josh and Mitch, as always. And we will be back with you guys on the next episode to talk some more Leafs hockey.
Kick some ass!